to every single one of us who are members of the body of Christ is given a different gift or gifts to serve others. Lord God, teach us from your word and grow this church in every way with all of us playing our part for your glory. Amen. Amen. Please take a seat and turn to Ephesians chapter 4 verses 1 to 16. That's on page 1175. In our series on following Christ, we've come to the second aspect of playing our part in the growth of the church, which is serving the church. On Tuesday, the next president of the USA will be elected to serve that whole nation. If you're a Christian here tonight, you've been elected or chosen by God to serve him and his church. You see, it's important to note what Paul has already said in Ephesians chapters 1 to 3 because of the word then or therefore in verse 1 of chapter 4. Look back to Ephesians chapter 2 and verses 1 to 3. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, and by nature objects of wrath. But, verses 4 and 5, because of God's great love for us, he who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace we have been saved. And that's true of all of us here tonight who are trusting in Christ as our Savior and Lord. Paul goes on in verses 8 and 9, It is by grace you have been saved through faith in Christ, and this not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. We are not saved by good works, but by grace. By God's riches at Christ's expense through faith in Jesus Christ. We are not saved by good works, but we are saved for good works. Verse 10, we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. So if you're a believer here tonight, please understand this. You are God's workmanship. So don't think you have little worth or value. You were created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Good works which, which God prepared in advance for you to do. And those good works will include serving the church. To help build it up grow and mature. You see, every disciple of Christ has both a mission in the world and a ministry in the church. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 7, but to each one of us grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. When we become Christians, we also become part of Christ's church. And it's important then to be part of a local church. For your own growth, and for the growth in every way of that body of Christ. 
Yes, God gives the growth as each part of the body does its work. Look at Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 16. From him, from Christ, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Do you want to grow as a Christian? Do you want to play your part in helping the church to grow under God? Do we as a church want to grow in every way? Well, let's look at what that means in practice. First, verse 1, Paul urges us to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. And what is the calling we have received? Well, go back to Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 4. God chose us in Him, in Christ, before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in His sight. And then verse 12, for the praise of His glory. In Christ, verse 7 of chapter 1, we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. And believers, whether Jew or Gentile, whether from different nationalities or different backgrounds, are one in Christ. For Christ, chapter 2, verse 14, is our peace. He has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. Consequently, chapter 2, verse 19, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. So here at JPC, all who trust in Christ are one in Christ. Whether internationals or locals. Whether student or non-student. Whether from the north or the south. Whether black or white. Whether Newcastle or Sunderland supporters. Whether rich or poor. We are fellow citizens with God's people and all members of God's household. And we are to live a life worthy of the calling we've received. And as we've just seen, it's a high calling to live for God's praise and glory, to be holy, to be a witness to him as the body of Christ, to work together with each part doing its work, to maintain the unity we have, Christ has brought about that peace and we are to keep it. How? By godly living in the power of the Spirit. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 2. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient. Bearing with one another in love. Be completely humble. That's so important for for unity and in service. Leonard Bernstein was one of the uh, greatest composers and conductors that America has ever known. His musical West Side Story brought him worldwide acclaim. Bernstein was once asked, what's the hardest instrument to play? He replied without hesitation, 
Second fiddle. I can always get plenty of first violins, but to find one who plays second fiddle with as much enthusiasm is a problem. And yet if no one plays second, we have no harmony. This all takes effort, doesn't it? Look at verse 3. We are to make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace and unity in the faith, verse 13. For there is one body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. For we are not to maintain unity at the expense of truth. But true unity, the unity of the spirit, is important if the church is to grow both numerically and in maturity. I thank God for the unity that there is here at JPC. It's been one factor in the growth of this church. And we must make every effort to keep it if we're to continue to grow and plant more churches. But, verse 7, diversity is also important if the church is to grow. So secondly, use the gift or gifts each of us has been given to serve others. Contrast verses 6 and seven. Paul turns from all of us in verse 6 to each of us in verse 7. From the unity to the diversity of the church and to the fact that Christian unity is enriched by the diversity of our Christ-given gifts. Yes, we're to keep and maintain the unity of the Spirit, but there is diversity in unity. We don't have all the same gifts and tasks. And to make each dependent on others in the body of Christ and for growth, God has ordained not uniformity, but rather a variety of gifts for members of the body. And note to each one of us, to every single one of us who are members of the body of Christ is given a different gift or gifts to serve others. And note also the word grace. To each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. And Paul uses the word grace here in the sense of his use of it in Ephesians chapter 3. And there in verses 2 and 7 to 8, and here in verse 7, it is literally the privilege of a special calling in the service of God. Saving grace is given to all who believe and trust in Christ. But this is service grace. The grace which equips God's people to serve. And that is given in differing degrees, according to the measure of Christ's gift. In his wisdom, the Lord portions out different kinds of gifts to different members. And the word grace implies that there should be no boasting about our different gifts. For none of us has anything other than what we've received, unmerited, from Christ. So it's clear that no one has all the gifts. Not David, not anyone. And that no member of the body is without some spiritual task and spiritual gift for it. No member of the body should be unemployed in serving the church. Lord Kitchener's famous recruitment poster from World War I said, Your country needs you. Well, your, or more accurately, Christ's church needs you too. 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 10 
to 11. Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. None of us are strong in every area. No church leader is strong in every area. Some are gifted as preachers, but not gifted as counselors. Some are strong leaders, but not so good at details. Some are good at building relations, yet not strong as managers. And that's actually good. If you were good at everything, you wouldn't need the rest of the body of Christ. And this church needs every member involved in ministry, not just the leaders. Paul reminds us that bodies don't function well unless they work together. Did you know that we are all really charismatics in the body of Christ? Some of you may be uh, looking worried at this point. Well, the word charismatic actually comes from the Greek word charismata, which simply means gift. And the word charis means grace. So here Paul states that all Christians have been gifted by the grace of God. So according to the New Testament, the whole church is a charismatic community. It is the body of Christ, every single member of which has a gift or charisma to exercise or function to perform. The unity of the church is due to charis. God's grace having reconciled us to himself. But the diversity of the church is due to charismata, God's gifts distributed to church members. But perhaps you're unsure about what your gift is or how you can serve and use your gift here at JPC for the benefit of all. Well, to help you, we have at JPC something called My Shape for Ministry which is part of our Prepared to Serve course. So do contact me if you're interested in exploring that further. You can also try out serving in a particular ministry. You could begin with the sidesman's ministry, which is vital to the work here on a Sunday, and they need a lot more sidesmen. Please don't think there's nothing for you to do here. Contrary to what you might think, every ministry at a larger church is always in need of more servants. And if you don't use your gift or gifts with love, then the rest of us are missing out. There are always people needed in the creches, in the choirs and candle teams for cows by candlelight, in the mother and toddler groups, in the welcome teams, in the scouts, Currently there are 59 scouts, so the need is pressing. And in the PA and TV ministry, and I mentioned the vital ministry of the PA and the video team, partly because they have the power to switch me off. <laughs> so maybe many of you will now be attracted to those ministries. <laughs> and how we need more folks serving this church in technology, in developing perhaps our first app, for example to work not now just with Apple and Android, but now with Windows 8. 
These more background ministries are so important. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul gives them greater honor. The giver of the gifts is the ascended, victorious, and exalted Christ, who is filling the universe and ruling the church. That's verses 8 to 10. And five gifts are now mentioned. Verse 11. He gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers. He gives people who proclaim the word of God and lead to build up the whole body into his fullness. And all of those five gifts have something to do with the ministry of teaching. For it is primarily teaching which builds up the church. Today we might not have apostles or prophets in the original sense, for apostles were those personally chosen by and eyewitnesses of the risen Lord, and prophets were those who were a vehicle of God's direct revelation. But today there are evangelists to preach the gospel, and there are those who are pastors and teachers who tend the flock and expound the word, those who are gifted for the day-to-day building up of the church. And more evangelists and pastor teachers are desperately needed. Today, the the need in the worldwide church is great. And if we're going to plant more churches, then we'll need more pastor teachers and evangelists. Is God calling and gifting some of you for those roles? Is God calling some of the men here tonight to be the clergy of the future? Well, we're not getting any younger. We're trying to establish training here for those who are called by God. And verse 12 states very clearly why Christ gave these particular teaching-related gifts to his church. To prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. So firstly, to prepare or to equip God's people for works of service. And secondly, what is done for God's people and by God's people is for building up the body of Christ. So church leaders are not to monopolize ministry. No, they are to multiply ministries. How? By helping and encouraging all God's people to discover, develop, and exercise their gifts humbly so that the body of Christ may be built up. That's the aim as I've mentioned, of the Prepared to Serve course, which 14 people have just taken, and also the More course, which is also underway. Look out for the next one of each of those. The five gifts which we've looked at so far are not the only gifts. Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 4 says that there are varieties of gifts. In the five lists of gifts in the New Testament, 20 distinct gifts are mentioned, such as mercy, Administration, faith, encouragement, giving. And even those lists are probably not exhaustive. We are all to use our God-given gifts, which are all service gifts, not for our own selfish use, which could be divisive, but to build up the body here. And we ought to be able to find support and training in those works of service from those who lead. You see, I wonder what our model of the church is. Is it a pyramid model or a bus model where everything is concentrated in the hands of one man? 
Well, the New Testament model of the church is not a pyramid or a bus, but rather a body. Every member of which has a different function or ministry. One church in the USA had on its bulletin the names of the pastor, the associate pastor, and the assistant to the pastor. Next came the line, ministers, the entire congregation. The way the whole body grows is for all its members to use their God-given gifts to serve others. So thirdly, then the whole body grows. Look at verses 12 and 13 of Ephesians 4. So that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attain to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. The word until suggests that the building up of the body of Christ will not happen overnight. Rather, it will be a lengthy process involving much hard work and prayer. And the church needs committed, gifted, teachable, humble servants. Those who are willing to teach the truth, lead and serve over the long term. Then the church under God will grow in unity, in the faith, and in maturity. And if we're growing in unity and maturity, in the knowledge and the fullness of Christ, then we will no longer be infants or immature Christians. Look at verses 14 to 15. Tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of the men in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head that is Christ. So how does the church grow numerically and in unity and in maturity? By speaking and living the truth in love. We are to uphold and speak God's truth, which is so critical today when there's so much false teaching and confusion in love. There's no other route than this to a fully mature Christian unity. If we speak the truth in love, we will grow up into Christ from whom the whole body, verse 16, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as Each part does its work. Now the emphasis in verse 16 is on the head, is on Christ, on whom we are to depend, into whom we are to grow up and from whom the whole body grows when each part is working properly. Christ is at work fitting and joining the whole body together. He provides sustenance to it through every contact according to the needs of every single part. He enables the body to make its own growth so that it builds itself up in love. So we are to look to and depend on and grow up into him, doing the work he's given each of us to do. And the implication at the end of verse 16 is that when each part is not doing its work, growth and maturity take longer. I must conclude... Someone said that the church is full of bones. Wishbones, who wish someone else would do the work. Jawbones, who talk a lot but do little else. Knucklebones, who knock what everyone else does. And backbones, who get on and actually do the work. Well, let's make sure we play our part 
in Christ and under his headship, being completely humble. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you did not come to be served, but to serve. And we pray that you would change us to become more like you. And strengthen us to serve and to use the gift or gifts you've given us to build up the whole body of Christ here. For your praise and for your glory. Amen.